रहीम रेडियो रमदान 87.7 FM से मैं हूं आपका होस्ट जुबैर अक्रम और आज 6 रमजान मुबारक जुमे का रोज आ, हमारे आ, आज अप्रैल की 8 तारीख है और हमारा यह प्रोग्राम हर रोज 7:00 बजे से लेकर के इफ्तार के वक्त तक आपके सामने पेश किया जाता है आज इफ्तार का वक्त 8:15 मिनट है और हसब साबिक इंशाल्लाह आज भी हम सूरतुल रूम जो कि तीसरी सूरत है कुरान हकीम की उनकी आयत आपके सामने रखेंगे अरबी में और उसके बाद अंग्रेजी में उसका ترجمہ और फिर हमारे मेहमान शेख रिजवान से हम उस पे उसको समझने की कोशिश करेंगे तो आज की सूरह रूम की आयत بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In the name of Allah the entirely merciful the especially merciful أولم يتفكروا في أنفسهم ما خلق الله السماوات والأرض وما بينهما إلا بالحق وأجل مسمى وإن كثيرا من الناس بلقاء ربهم لكافرون Do they not contemplate within themselves? Allah has not created the heavens and the earth and what is between them except in truth and for a specified term. And indeed, many of the people in the matter of the meeting with their Lord are disbelievers. كانوا أشد منهم قوة وأثار الأرض وعمروها أكثر مما عمروها وجاءتهم رسلهم وجاءتهم رسلهم بالبينات فما كان الله ليظلمهم فَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيَظْلِمَهُمْ وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ Have they not travelled through the earth and observed how was the end of those before them? They were greater than them in power, and they ploughed the earth and built it up more than they have built it up. And their messengers came to them with clear evidences, And Allah would not ever have wronged them, 
but they were wronging themselves. ثُمَّ كَانَ عَاقِبَةَ الَّذِينَ أَسَاءُوا السُّوءَ أَنْ كَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَكَانُوا بِهَا يَسْتَهْزِئُونَ Then the end of those who did evil was the worst consequence because they denied the signs of Allah and used to ridicule them. الله يبدأ الخلق ثم يعيده ثم إليه ترجعون. Allah begins creation, then He will repeat it. Then to Him you will be returned. ويوم تقوم الساعة يبلس المجرمون. And the day the hour appears, the criminals will be in despair. Sadaqallahul Adeem Aaj ki ayat Magar bhoat se loog Apeni, apne rab ki Mulaqat ke munkar hain Or kya ye loog Kabhi zameen mein chale phere nahi Ke inhe un loogun ka anjaam Nazar aata Jho unse pehle guzar chuke hain وہ ان سے زیادہ طاقت رکھتے تھے انہوں نے زمین کو خوب ادھیڑا تھا اور اسے اتنا آباد کیا تھا جتنا انہوں نے نہیں کیا ہے ان کے پاس ان کے رسول روشن رسول روشن نشانیاں لے کر آئے پھر اللہ ان پر ظلم کرنے والا نہ تھا مگر وہ خود ہی اپنے اوپر ظلم کر رہے تھے آخرکار جن لوگوں نے برائیاں کی تھیں ان کا انجام بہت برا ہوا اس لیے کہ انہوں نے اللہ کی آیات کو جھٹلایا تھا اور وہ ان کا مزاق اڑاتے تھے اللہ ہی خلق کی ابتدا کرتا ہے پھر وہی اس کا یادہ کرے گا پھر اسی کی طرف تم پلٹائے جاؤ گے اور جب وہ سات برپا ہوگی اس دن مجرم حق دک رہ جائیں گے صدق اللہ العظیم دس از آور سیریز آف پروگرامس آن ریڈی رمضان ریفلیکشنز وچ شیخ رضوان محمد سورہ روم Uh, these ayahs were ayahs from 8 to 30, 11 uh, that we uh, we heard the translation of. Assalamu alaikum, Sheikh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, we uh, finished our... Actually, someone texted me yesterday uh, as soon as we finished the program and they thanked us and thanked... They, they, they were quite happy that we ended where we ended. And we ended... The program at that when you take Prophet and Allah away from you, it is then that you're committing zulm against yourself. Mm. Uh, that was the last ayah when I asked, um, how can one commit zulm? How can one commit tyranny uh, to to oneself? Mm. And and the answer to that was, uh, when you remove Allah's Prophet i.e., his teachings or his love or him being the role model for yourself is when uh, you, you commit um, uh, tyranny against yourself really hmm. that's where we ended yesterday that was surah that was ayah number eight hmm. and we inshallah we continue from there is that the 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 correct understanding of that ayah is that what um i think we may have um it may have been a question that you'd asked like hmm. the the whole thing about this um verse which is verse i think that's in verse nine is that allah is asking us to reflect so the the this whole section which we talked about yesterday was a complete um complementary section which ties in with the previous discussion about the prophecy of the the fall of Persians at the hands of the Romans, uh, which would, would hadn't which hadn't taken place, but coincided with the Battle of Badr in the second year of the Hijrah of the Prophet And so after that, these verses come and talk about um, telling people to reflect, and that tafakkur is related to um, you know thinking about their own situation and what direction people are going in, and telling them there's plenty to reflect upon in the creations of the heavens and the earth and their own selves. Mm-hmm. That everything has a purpose, that everything has an end game, and um, even philosophically, everything has to have an ultimate, you know, end 
justice, you know, ultimate justice has to prevail in some way. But, you know, the Quran says, despite the fact that everything logically, rationally, philosophically, um, experientially has to have an end game and you know that you'll be taken to task for what you do. You know, everybody, a child knows that. A child does something. They don't think they'll never be caught. They think at some point they might be, you know. And, you know, this is like, you know, all these things that happen, like the Panama Papers and all the corruption that takes place on earth and people hide wealth and all the rest of it. Um, they do it thinking that they won't, they will get away with it, but they, at the back of their mind, they know that at some point it will be uncovered. And so, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, you know, most people, um, you know, disbelieve relating to the meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hmm. And so I think this discussion about, you know, transgressing against yourself and doing zulm against yourself relating to misplacing God in the message, it goes back to the basic meaning of zulm, which is to to put something somewhere something where it doesn't belong and replace it with something um, that doesn't belong mm -hmm. there. So God and the messenger. And Allah's messenger came to them with clear signs. It was not Allah who wronged them, but it is they who wronged themselves. Yeah, so the moment Allah says... <laughs> mm -hmm. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says um, that they were brought bilbayinat, bayinat essentially means clear signs. Um, you know, things are incontrovertible. Uh, you know, in terms of they cannot be re re rejected because they make sense. It's nothing superstitious, ir irrational, ir illogical about what the prophets ask you to do, just to um, acknowledge the existence of the Creator, and that the that that um, acceptance necessitates some degree of worship and adoration, acknowledgement, and then to live within the boundaries of. Um, the teachings that God has placed. And these teachings are not just hocus-pocus, again, um, made-up draconian laws. These are things that sink in with everything we know about how the world works, scientifically, psychologically, economically, politically. You know, I was reading a piece of research today about alcohol and the fact that it is, is you know, alco drinking alcohol is a strong indicator towards the, the existence of, of three or four types of cancer it's known it's studied hmm. and you know if you look at so many things that the Quran has talked about um, it becomes clear why the rulings are as they are at a time when you couldn't really tell why the rulings would be as they are and so the the ruling the rulings are for our, our benefit but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala despite that fact Allah says that most people um you know didn't misplace their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know that's essentially where this idea of injustice comes. <clears throat> but it's also, um, you know, the, the the thing here is that there's a degree of arrogance as mentioned in the previous verse, which is also about wronging yourself. So one of the things about civilizations in the past, which is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says that have they not travelled in the earth and they've seen the, the the end result of the people that were before them? Kanu ashadda minhum They were stronger than them, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of might and power. And they, you know, plowed the earth. Actually, you know, it means to leave effects on the earth, to leave, you know, kind of artifacts, or also just means to, you know, just make their mark on the earth. You know, like mm -hmm. animals, if you, if you see an animal going across a piece of land, you know, an animal might urinate somewhere to, to mark its territory, for example. Mm -hmm. Or it might, say, dig up something and hide a bone, for example, like a dog. So, where's the? They don't, you know, other other beings don't. They don't, you know, look under the earth to see what the, is of utility. They only animals usually just take what's of utility directly to themselves. Hmm. You know, the one thing, you know, animals have, you know, usually have just one specific thing they eat, some one specific diet that they have, and that's it. They don't care about anything else. Like you look at the panda and 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 um, you know what they eat. Bamboo shoots, and that's it. You know, all the fruit that they have, this is their preferred means of sustenance. But human beings do that, which is to you know, dig every, you know, plow up everything, dig everything, plow, you know, put seeds in place. You know, human beings, to think of it, they plant things that they know they'll never benefit from, like a tree, a, an olive tree, for example. A person who could plant an olive tree is not necessarily going to get any benefit from it at all. And so that kind hmm. of thinking is. You know, unique to the human um, being, and also this idea of umran, which is to cultivate, civilize, and that's so, where arrogance comes in. I think, which leads uh, to uh, 
Are we, are we saying that uh, Athar is deeper than just plowing? It's, it's actually leaving legacy and yeah, all yeah, forms mean, of legacy. Yeah. Atharul Ard. Atharul Ard means oh. to, I mean, and, and if you take it to the, I think the deepest Arabic pre Islamic usage of Athar is to, is the dust blowing up, kind of, you know, kind of disheveling or, you know, making a dust storm or something by, you know, agitating the earth so this mm. is kind of when you have horses you know running through a desert track you'd have atharu al-ard basically plowing up the earth meaning leaving a mark remember that from that you know um, bounty hunters would be able to tell in which direction a person went mm. so they'd be able to mm. track the horse based upon the athar the athar are essentially the remnant, remnant indicators of something happening and also, this is one of the ways that prove God exists. That you know, the, the desert Arabs used to say that, you know, the 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 feet of the camel in the desert and the dung of the camels in the desert, all point towards the fact that there is a, a caravan that passed here, and they say, you know, the 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 the, the, the ocean spread in 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 front of us and the sky laid out above us. Do they not point with stars? Do they not point towards the fact that there is a, a creator sustainer that has brought us into being? So mm -hmm. Athar is the, something that, that that's a clue towards something else existing. But the thing of Zulum is that you know the people the moment the people of Quwa, which the Quran talks about here, they were Ashadda, min, minhum Quwa, they were stronger mm -hmm. than them in power. That creates this idea of arrogance and also this idea of being able to civilize and to cultivate and to build civilizations is also another way that you create um arrogance. And this is when, this is, I think, the moment that you replace something with something else. You replace hmm. something that has value with something that is, you know, we say, um, you know, um, has lacks value or is counterfeit. Hmm. And hmm. so what they do is the real value, which is teachings of utility and usefulness in this life and the hereafter, they replace it by other things, other, um, you know, other things that they feel are important. But those things are, as we know from human history and also from our own experiences happiness is not connected to things or or wealth or status it's created to contentment and so the contentment comes when a person's soul is content with their their direction in life mm. not based upon you know if you look at you know they have these kind of things that they track elon musk's wealth and bezos is it bezos of amazon's wealth and how many how long how much they can spend in a second um, you know, and so what does that increase their happiness? What does it do? It does nothing of that. It just gives mm. them a sense of power and control. Mm. And in, in, in and of itself, that is, you know, you can do things that you can do otherwise, but the things you do that you can do otherwise, does that make you happier? So mm. this is the thing. And so I, I think what, what the Quran is indicating here is that they didn't, it obviously says that the, God did not, was not unjust to them, but they, they were unjust to themselves. It's by replacing. And I think this is something that I think Omran civilization that Islam brought is different. I think definitely is different from civilizations that Islam created that were based upon a deep um, acceptance of God and the Messenger of Islam created much more interesting, I think, um, educational, cultural, artistic manifestations. Because if you look at it, if you look, I mean, think, I think it was Sheikh Hamza Yusuf mentioned this. That if you look at India and it wants to promote its tourism, the thing it puts on the on the brochure will have to be, and, and until recently actually, will have to be the Taj Mahal, which is created mm -hmm. by Muslim civilization. If you want to, if you want Spain to promote itself, there's nothing really they can promote itself more poignantly than with the Alhambra Palace or the the Great Mosque of Cordoba, um, mm -hmm. and Halum Majar. You know, it's, it's, you do that anywhere. It's the same thing. Mm. I mean, Islam left amazing legacies. And even like I was thinking about, you know, the Ottoman Empire, the longest continually operating um, civilization on earth. You know, even the way that they you know, educated people and um, they looked at utility for people. You probably know the Topkapi Palace was a center of education. They used to select children from like Serbia, Montenegro, you know, the kind of Turkic states, mm. and they would go and, and select children around five or six. And they would, you know, you know, when they would do that, they would want to, obviously they want to build, build a civilization, Umran, okay. Mm. 
and what they would do is they would look at the child, they would look at the lineage of the child, physically look at the child, is the child healthy? Look at the basic, you know, the, the firasa. They, they had people with them that went, and they used to look at the child and think, are they able to be molded into something, you know, of, of benefit to other people? Mm-hmm. And so after that, they would choose like five or six children, take them to back to uh, Constantinople, Istanbul, and then they would put them into the Topkapi Palace. Now, the whole reason is you could say, well, they just took the children from their environment and brought them here as servants. They didn't. They wanted to um, build Umran, build civilization, based on a bigger, pur- a higher purpose. And so what the child would do, is, it's quite interesting, it was called the Endurun, Endurun um, method of education and and um, yeah, I think education and etiquette building. And what mm. they would do is they would let the child stay in the in the in the palace for in the grounds, massive grounds, for about a year, just basically just eating, drinking, um, and just you know when they're eating, giving them the etiquettes of how to eat, basic no education, just etiquettes. And you know what would happen there? You would think, well, it's a year just um, acclimatizing to the city. What they would do, there would be people that were watching them over that year. And taking notes basically, hmm. and checking at their own the child's you know propensity and, and special um, character, their personality, their traits, and what you would imagine they would be good at, like would they be good, you know, at that young age? Would they have the mind? Do they have the mindset of a a warrior? Um, you know, commander? Is it the mindset of an administrator? Is it the mindset of a somebody that is artistic, is it the mindset of a scholar, architect, for example? And this is how, you know, people like me, Marcinan, were, were chosen. Um, and so at that point, they would put them into an educational class, probably, like, I think there was like 10 people in the class. Hmm. And even the way of teaching, it's interesting because we have a lot to learn from this, um, I think, educationally. And the reason I mention this is because this idea of Umran, this idea of civilization, creating civilization that is God-centered rather than the type that God ended up hmm. destroying and, and and allowing to you know just crumble and just be m- mentioned because of other things they would be taught and the teacher would come in you know give a five ten minute l- lecture or class and they would have no pens no paper nothing so the, the class would arrange in three levels three kind of rows and what would happen is the teacher would give the class and leave and then the way that they learned wasn't by writing and going away and memorizing they had to you know the next row had to explain to the to the, the row behind them what the teacher had said. Hmm. Okay, and then after that, the row that had just been taught, they go to the next row and teach them what they taught. And so the way that they would move on to the next thing wasn't through an exam, wasn't through anything. It was not through memorization. It was by the teacher coming in the next day and asking the third row, you know, the third level of student who'd, who'd been passed down this information and explanation. They had to explain to the teacher and if it was if it was correct, and 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 um, suitable, and showed that they'd understand, they understood the topic. They would move on to the next thing, and they had no exams at all. And so what they would do is, it would create a capacity to what in in this chapter actually is mentioned, tafakkur, hmm. you know, and fusihim. So this idea of you know the Quran doesn't focus on memorization, you know, fikr. It, it, it focus and fix something that came to my mind actually because you know because we do say look we memorize the Quran you know Allah says inna wa inna lahu it is we who have revealed the revelation and it's we who will have literally protect memorize in other words you know it's one of my teachers he, he was he, somebody came to him and said they'd memorize the Quran and obviously, it's a great, great, great um, achievement to memorize the Quran. But my teachers, you know, Sheikh Saleh Farfour, he was a teacher of our, our teachers. He he wanted people to push themselves harder, and he said, um, which seems to be in, in one level to be um, dismissive. He said, "Another copy on the on the on the shelf." Mm, mm. Basically, he was saying, "Look, is it is it just enough to memorize mm. was the Quran sent just so you memorize it or to apply it?" Was it meant to memorize it? Was it meant to be reflected upon? And so here we, we have this education system which created the whole point I mentioned the education system is they, it was based on thought, thinking, reflection. 
um, choosing, you know, the, the administration and the civilization, choosing the right children then putting them into an education system based on what they, you know, want to do based on their personal, you know, kind of psychological traits and then mm. giving them best education based upon thinking. And then imagine them being leaders of armies, head of administration, head of taxation, head of architecture, head of music, et cetera, et cetera. You would find, you'd find the most fine, finest of examples in all those fields. Mm. And that is what, you know, it ends up being, if you want a civilization that is God conscious, it can be as successful as a civilization that's not. But, you know, the thing about, you know, a civilization that's not God conscious is that it will essentially within generations, three or four generations, you know, fall to its knees. And I think, you know, we're in a, we're in a, we're in a century now where we're seeing, you know, people that have, you know, in their 30s, 40s, they're seeing the change of a, a civilizational leader um, or leadership. Um, and, and that's, you know, we can just say it's just politics and power. But at a deeper level is actually to do with, you know, the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that some people rise, some people fall. You know, some civilizations come to the ascendancy, some don't. Um, mm. and, and and also, you know, it's like Ibn Khaldun talks about civilization. He says that, you know, it's, 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 it's necessary that you have a cyclic process where civilization rises and falls, mm. like, a, like a plant. It grows into strength from a seed and then shrivels and falls. Like the Quran constantly mentions that metaphor of, you know, lush foliage then coming and wilting and then becoming like dust. That's like civilizations. That's like human beings. Think of a human being, you know, a fetus born within, you know, by the time they're 16, 17, full um, power and energy, and then 40 where everything is matured, and then slowly but surely everything starts to creak and crack. And and slowly you're, you're thinking about, okay, retirement and all the rest of it. That's the nature of life. That's the nature of Umran, civilization. And Ibn Khaldun says that, you know, you know, it's difficult times. It's like, you know, when thing is something is on the on the boundary between surviving and not surviving, when it's difficult, like a seed or a fetus, you know, like hmm. a fetus is fragile at that moment in time. It's open to being miscarried. It's open to numerous things that can happen to it. a seed planted in the earth. Not all seeds that are planted in the earth come to fruition. It's a very dangerous time. And he said that you know, in difficult times, you create good leaders and there was mm. something that survives through that difficulty and that's a good lesson for everybody in their own lives anything anybody who survives through a difficult process and period and experience becomes you know a, he's talked about civilization a good leader mm. and he says, the good leader then does so well that they actually create good times mm. and then the good times are so good that there's no struggle there's no difficulties there's no test it creates um bad leaders mm. and then the bad leaders create bad times and guess what happens it goes back to the thing which creates good leaders and so civilization in, in and of itself is cyclic human beings are also of that nature you know and um you know it's one of the one of the things that you know the first generation that arrived in glasgow for example struggled and all these stories about the, mm. the people that are now successful having nothing in their pockets arriving in the winter and selling door to door and then their children you know perhaps doing slightly better or you know not as good or whatever and then their children basically in the lap of luxury playing what was it playstation or some kind of game um i can't think anything off my head <clears throat> some kind of game i mean just like sitting about eating ice cream and then guess what yeah that's going to go definitely downhill living on the wealth of their forefathers and you're just going to go straight down to the same thing mm -hmm. unless unless what unless you have the, the foresight to give them difficult times when they have ease. Mm -hmm. You know, like put your child who's, who would normally have an easy life through a bit of difficulty. And mostly, I think the parents listening will say, <laughs> no, my, my, my dear daughter or son, ne I would never let dust... No, let them touch them. You know, khudana khasta, even dust touches yes. the feet of my precious um, child. <laughs> Well, that's Allah. That, that, is, that love, that degree of love is not the type of love that Allah gives. Allah's love is such that the love is is bittersweet because sometimes you need difficulty to be able to achieve full fruition of your of your experience. And only very few people, God conscious people, realize that. And 
جو ان سے پہلے گزر چکے اور یہ وہی بات ہے جو کبھی شیخ نے کہی کہ جس کو عروج ہے اسے زوال ہے اور ہر عروج کو زوال ہے بلکہ ابن خلدون کا فلسفہ یہی ہے کہ جیسے انہوں نے یوں سمجھا کہ خدا کی مشیت یہ ہے کہ اس قرآرس پہ جب بھی کسی قوم کو عروج نصیب ہوا تو اس کا منطقی نتیجہ یہ ہے کہ اس کو زوال ہوگا اور یہی اس آیت میں بھی انڈیکیشن ہے اور کیا یہ لوگ کبھی زمین میں چلے پھرے نہیں کہ انہیں ان لوگوں کا انجام نظر آتا جو ان سے پہلے گزر چکے ہیں وہ ان سے زیادہ طاقت رکھتے تھے انہوں نے زمین کو خوب ادھیڑا تھا اور اسے اتنا آباد کیا تھا جتنا انہوں نے نہیں کیا یعنی وہ ان سے بہت بہتر تھے ان کے پاس ان کے رسول روشن نشانیاں لے کر آئے پھر اللہ ان پر ظلم کرنے والا نہ تھا مگر وہ خود ہی اپنے اوپر ظلم کر رہے تھے اور ہم نے شیخ سے یہ سمجھا کہ اپنے ہی اوپر ظلم کرنے کا مطلب یہ ہے کہ ایسی زندگی ترتیب دی جائے جس میں خدا اور رسول کا حوالہ نہ ہو اور حوالے اگر تھے تو ان کو منظم کر دیا جائے تو گویا انسان اپنے نفس پہ خود ظلم کرتا ہے سامعین ریفلیکشنز میں یہ ایک چھوٹا سا وقفہ اور اس کے بعد ہم دوبارہ آپ کی خدمت میں حاضر ہوتے ہیں ریفلیکشنز شیخ رضوان محمد سورت الروم again in our program with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, Surah Rum, 30th Surah of Quran, uh, ayahs uh, should have been 8 to 11 today. And Alhamdulillah, we, we had a very, uh, how can I say, insightful um, conversation just before the, the this ad break uh, on Sheikh, the, what you said about civilization, so the whole purpose of civilization is to 
create ease for the humankind. Mm-hmm. So when I hear people saying and hear you saying that, that's not for the majority. People who build civilization are a few and rest are utilizing that built civilization. Majority will utilize what's been done by the others. Mm-hmm. Very few, right? In, in position of leadership, in terms leadership in terms of thought leadership, uh, action oriented leadership. Uh, people who do things at a higher level and creating ease for people, uh, for uh, general population. And general population would always live day to day, mundane. They will carry out functions which are necessary for them to. Uh, we carried out. So, how does it reconcile? How do we reconcile with this message? As it, it seems, you know, a person like me listening to it, I'm not doing enough. I'm not up to the mark. I'm not part of building civilization. Uh, I'm merely a person who utilizes what's been done for me by giants before us. Mm-hmm. Even health, education. Um, you 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 fall ill, and all these te- all this technology, the way it's built, we are, we the way we are able to communicate with each other um, now um, is uh, is a result of a very fine endeavor uh, of bright minds. Mm-hmm. So, how do you what do you say to people who are not those not that bright or average? <laughs> And they, they, so what does Quran say about them? <laughs> the Quran is not talking to, um, you know, the process of civilizing the earth is not just the one, it's not just to the one that's the thought, as you said, the thought leader that pushes a community and creates like a big civilization. Like, hmm. um, like if you look at the Ottoman Empire, it wasn't, you know, Erturul, it wasn't Uthman, it wasn't, um, Orhan, the kind of initial. Um, leaders who were very much warriors it was later leaders that started to um, create the bureaucracy and the longevity otherwise you wouldn't have a you would just we probably wouldn't have heard of the Ottoman Empire unless you know four five generations down from you know Osman Ghazi you would have people like Bayezid Yildirim Bayezid or Murad II or you know Mehmed al-Fatih who then created a civilization with a purpose. So when Mehmed Fatih conquered Constantinople, which is now Istanbul, he did consider himself to be Qaisar al-Rum. He, he took that title, which is it's a very big, big title, which is the, 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 the kind of the Caesar of Rome. Hmm. So even though he's a Muslim, he's basically a sultan. You know, later the Ottomans would take on the, the, the title of Khalifas. But essentially what he was doing was he was that thought leader pushing everybody despite the fact they didn't want to. And it's almost as if everybody is saying, no, he's saying yes. Hmm. And it's interesting. The reason he said yes is because the Sheikh said yes. You know, Aksham Suddin, famous scientist, famous scholars, famous saint, Sufi. Um, he he was the one that kept telling him, you have to move. Where Even when Mehmed, the conqueror, you know, had doubts about it. So it's, the thing of civilization is that as you said before, civilization helps ease and structure normal people's lives so that their safety and, and, and security. And one of the purposes of you know a khalifa in Islamic in the, in the Sharia is that they safeguard the, the you know the kind of the, the the kind of you know the money, the kind of currency that's there being used, make sure it's not counterfeit, protects the borders, establishes the the Jumu'ah and the Eid prayers, the religious um, you know kind of practices this is the basic purpose which is to create safety and and the environment within which people can trade and eat and drink and live without the fear of bloodshed and and insecurity so there's only very few people that actually push a civilization like alexander the great for Mm. example there's very few people that have that courage to pull everybody with them when everybody wants to just have the status quo and in fact when i'm i mean i mean you know i'm in istanbul and current president here has this whole plan which seems to be the complete opposite of what anybody else would advise him to do which is you know to create a different type of economy based upon uh, low interest rates mm. and high exports for example 
And so that, you know, when I speak to people, even the people that support him and support, you know, supported him and do support him now and are his close allies, you can tell that all of them don't want it to be happen. It's not mm. as if it's not as if there's somebody telling him to do this. He's insisting, despite the fact that even the people around him don't want him to do it. And so that's a once in a, a, a once in a you know century individual that has, you know, looking back, you'd say the ingenuity and the foresight, or you would say the opposite, mm. to make that big big civilization change. All the rest of us are just. Our job is to um, live within that system and to, in our small way, you know, move the system and to help the system. You're a teacher, hmm. you're a person that works in pub- public transport, you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, you, you know, you're, you're a businessman. It doesn't make any difference. You're, you're a cog in the system to make it work properly. Hmm. So you're hmm. not as if it's not as if you're saying that everyone is useless and they're just playing to the tune that's been set for them. No, everybody is as relevant to be just to be fair to create an environment where everybody feels that they you know have justice so you go to the trader you purchase and you know that the trader won't you know do any kind of underhand dealing with you that will make make sure that you lose money so it's so important to create or to create values in your head, what the values are, what mm. values you hold dear and they are beneficial. Yeah, for so you. something came to me now actually that you know during the Umayyad period, which is the, which is the period mm. straight after um, the Khulafa, which is the period of um, Muawiyah and mm-hmm. his his son, and then all the way down to um, Umar Aziz. You know, Ab- yeah, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, but also. Abdul Malik ibn Marwan and Suleiman ibn Abdul Malik ibn Marwan and all these uh, illustrious khulafa. Um, what was interesting that scholars and historians always, always mentioned that you know that depending on the mindset of the ruler, the population would follow. So mm. during the time of Suleiman and Abdul Malik, you know, architecture. So Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, architecture was all the things. So people took a lot of interest in building and making their houses, you know, you know, interior decor and all that kind of stuff. And then the time of Suleiman, it was it was more to do with, you know, the, the, the kind of arts and, and these kind of things. And during the time of Umar ibn Abdulaziz, which was a very short period, three years, everybody was more interested in worship and ibadat and showing the religious side to themselves. And so what happened is that the, the leader creates the, you know, is the public face of, of what people should aspire to. In the same way that the Prophet ﷺ was the, the public face of the Qur'an. So, you know, when Aisha said, Quran, that his mannerism was the Qur'an, or translated as he was the Qur'an walking, that meant that everybody who became Muslim and is part of that city-state of Medina Nawara aspired to be like the Prophet ﷺ because he was the public face of what success is. Hmm. And so the normal person, who's a good person, you know, fair, normal, in fitra, they would just they naturally move towards what they see and copy it like a child copies whatever they see, and so that that's the thing about leaders is that you know the, you know in the UK at the moment in this moment in time you have a leader who who extols the virtues of buffoonery and and um, you know incompetence to the point that people will now I guarantee this generation will aspire to that kind of buffoonery and incompetence. Which hmm. includes within it not worrying about the fact that you, by doing that, are taking the rights of other people from them. Hmm. So cutting corners and not really worrying about anything, as long as everything keeps moving, everything's okay. One thing after another, and after another, after another. And so that is that is that is the thing about Umran civilization and a culture and a community is that you know the leadership paints the it paints the kind of the the, the goals for what people. You know, like ourselves, you know, look up to and say, okay, we can do that, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. Well, they did this, so we can do that. And, you know, if they're not keeping the COVID rules as they, you know, and now is a distant memory now that the, the, the government, t- while telling people who are breathing and not able to attend their their their, their loved ones' janazas and the aid prayers, mm-hmm. we're basically whining and dining in this the, the, the corridors of power. Mm-hmm. And the shocking thing is nobody cares. Like yeah. nobody cares. Like nobody in our population was, is going to run up 
rise up in, in revolt against a government that says one rule for you and one rule for us. Hmm. And so what does that tell you? It means that what it tells me is something very dangerous, which is we you know people will start thinking, well, okay, let's we can also do that. Hmm. Because that's that's our leaders doing it. So that's the new modus operandi. That's a new way of living and being successful. It's very dangerous because that means the whole point of a society which is compassionate and caring is thrown out the window. At a time when people are feeling the pinch of economic austerity and you know all across the world not just in the uk but everywhere it's the same thing if you look at pakistan one of the reasons for the political situation there, there as you know is to, to do with the fact that you know career politicians have used it as a as, as a as a reason to un overthrow the elected um, government under the pretext of a poor economic system mm. or a poor economic um, environment Obviously, it's the world environment you live in, and that's it. Uh, Surah Room with uh, Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad, uh, Reflections, and we have, I think, around 15 to 20 minutes of this uh, reflective program that we bring you every day from 7 till iftar time. Iftar today is at 8.15. And moving on to the, the next ayah uh, that we had, uh, Sheikh, the, the ayah number 10. Mm -hmm. Ayah number 10 uh, this is pretty much a summary of what we actually had already covered with, with different um, aspects that, that we explored today. ثُمَّ كَانَ عَاقِبَةَ الَّذِينَ أَسَاءُسُوءَ So evil was the end of those evildoers for they gave the lie to Allah's signs and scoffed at them. Now the evil was the end of those evildoers. Yeah, evil, I mean, something you don't want to happen. Even as a su'ah is like something you don't, nobody wants. Mm. Like imagine the thing you, 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 if you, you know, for iftar, what's the thing you you would not want to eat? Like that's like a su'ah, different levels of a su'ah, which is, um, you know, things that are abhorrent to you. The Quran says basically the result of that zulm that they did and the end result of this injustice that they've done, which is not reflecting, we understand they're not reflecting. They're using civilization and their their arrogance and pride over cultivating the earth as a means of oppressing people and you know being unjust. Allah says that the end result of those people that were evil in that sense is something that is detestable to the person, something that is unpalatable. So su'a is something that is indigestible, unpalatable, you know, something that is abhorrent to the person, that is what's going to come to you because of what? You could, we call it just desserts in English. You know, you get the the rewards of your actions in like. Why? On the basis of the fact that they rejected or called lies to the signs of God. And not just that, they were they were actually very good at calling lies against what Allah had sent in terms of, you know, the ayat can be like the, the prophecy of the mm. of the Romans win, winning and the, the Quraysh laughing. You can imagine, you can as you can imagine this, you know, when the Quran was revealed and the, uh, this, this chapter was revealed and the Persians had just won and the news came to the Quraysh and the Muslims and the Quran says, you know, that the Romans have been defeated but they will, after the defeat, become victorious. You can imagine the caverns and the and the drinking inns of Mecca roaring with laughter mocking at the at the this news they're saying mm. oh do you know what and they're just kind of all the comedians and all the poets kind of mocking the Muslims and having a, a merry you know seven eight years mocking them saying guess what they um prophesized which was never going to happen that the Romans are going to beat the, the Persians and it happened but the thing is they're, they're, they're mocking the signs of God One of which is the prophecies But also just the general thing One after the other thing the Prophet is coming with And that's the reason I mean it's not as if God just Okay slams the There's a, there's a back slam on these you know, Evildoers on the basis of just No reason It's pretty clear They mm. are the ones that are calling lies to the signs of God That are supposed to guide them towards truth They're the ones that are, are using mockery As the, the weapon by which they 
um, you know, attack the believers. And mockery is quite a, it's a painful thing to, you know, I mean, people, you know, people do say sticks and stones may, be, may break my bones, but words, words will never hurt me. I think we teach that to children mm. to make them feel that you shouldn't worry about words. But what we do know, I mean, the actual opposite is true in terms of psych psychology. Mm. It's words are much more um, hurtful than actions. Mm. If you think about it, that, that kind of thing, you know, bricks and bones, uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's not true. And mm. and the reason for that is that the religious um, literature that we have from the Hadith of the Prophet and the Quranic text all indicate towards the fact that a person can say a word, la biha bal, does not think anything of it. On the basis of which they fall into the, 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 the fire of hell for 70 years of traveling, a word, because of the effect and the pain and the suffering that it causes, Hmm. And so, what do they do? Yes, they're their own. But, the, you know, you, you, and this is the thing that modern society, I think, now um, is fantastic at. It is, it is very, very, um, you know, kind of, you know, artistic in, its, in, it, in the way that it mocks great values and great, great ideas and great, great, great leaders and religion in general. Hmm. So, you know, lit comedy... Stand-up comedy, one of the kind of big topics of stand-up comedy is religion. To the mm -hmm. point that they, it's almost as if because they've, they've done it so well, they don't have to do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And the only people that are left that they can do it against is Muslims because everybody else has left their religion anyway. So they won't attack Christianity because no one's really a Christian. Mm -hmm. They won't attack Hinduism because Hinduism it basically is like a, a mythology which doesn't really have any effect on the way people live because... You can you can kill and torture people in the streets in the, in the name of Hinduism without having to defend it as a religious, you know, belief system. You know, Judaism is separated from its religious cores. Now it's a, a political system. The religious Jews are ostracized from their community by Zionists, and so what you've left is, is Muslims, who are the only people that take religion seriously, and they're the only people really that you can make mockery of uh, on the basis of their religion. And that's what you know. That's what essentially. Um, you know, comedians do do istihza, the mockery. This is the, mm. the greatest form of attack now. Evil was the end of those evildoers. So, and what I was going to ask you was that is it kind of almost a guarantee that evildoer will meet an evil ending? I mean, it's not <laughs> so. Well, musamma, did we not discover this? Well, musamma is like a set, you know, a set time. There is a set yeah. time, so there's like a, there is a point where you, you know, it's like if you're going to a supermarket, you go pre iftar and you're filling up with all these delicious pieces of food, and you don't even think you, if you can afford them or not. It's a point with the, you know, ajali musamma is when you get to the, the 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 cashier and you have to get the thing scanned and then you have to pay. Hmm, hmm. Like you can enjoy yourself as much as you want, you can go through the aisles, you know, looking at delicious food, but you're gonna have to pay for it at some point. Mm, Same thing mm. with life. At some some point, you have to. It, it catches up with you, mm. and you know what we know is everything catches up. You catches catches up with you in the hereafter, and they say that you know. I think Ibn Abbas anhu said that every evil that you do catches up with you in the hereafter, except for the the um, the enmity you display to your appearance. Mm, so mm. he said that you know. An action that you do to your parents, which is um, disrespectful and antagonistic towards them, well, you will you will see it before you die. Um, and so that's worth knowing that certain things, you know, the person might go into the grave looking happy, but they'll have to answer. Um, and the thing is, they're not saying, you know, the person that do evil will meet an evil end, meaning before they die, they will die a terrible death. That's not what's meant. What's meant is the end result. Aqiba is not, it doesn't say anything about death, it means the end, which is the Musamma. You know, the when you, when I was talking about, I think yesterday or the day before, but when you get to paradise or hellfire, you'll have essentially a past saying, God has admitted me to paradise or hellfire. The Aqiba is based upon the past, you've got the past. Hmm. And so that's the past. The past of these people will be a su'a, it'll be that, you know, ticket entrance to hellfire, nowhere else. So um, we, we'll get to this ayah 
with, with this question that I have in my mind. When we talk about religion, when religious people meet and they converse, as if they could only talk about something that's going to happen and they can't live in the moment. They won't talk about the life that we're living. Mm -hmm. It's about when you die, this will happen. Everything is about afterwards. Um, and same here, Allah creates in the first instance and will re later repeat it. So everything that you're doing, you do is because after your, you know, in, in the hereafter, mm -hmm. there will be a, a, a take two of your life, mm -hmm. which will be of eternity. Mm -hmm. So understanding that people have for living this life becomes a little more religious you get, less productive you get. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think yesterday, yesterday we did mention those that believe and do good actions. It's like a, it's like a, appearing where the good actions is always an action on earth, not in, in the heavens, not in, not in paradise. You don't wait till you get to paradise, you do your, all your actions. There's no prayer mat in, in, in Jannah of that nature. Mm. And so you know, this verse is basically, you know, Allahu yabda'ul khalq, that God brought everything into being at, at an initial point, and he'll just repeat it. And, that you know, it has, you can just say this verse is like, um, in between the discussion, it's just there as a, a rule that's presented with any connection with what's prior to it or what's coming after it. But there is this idea that, you know, it's God that creates everything in the first instance. And then he brings it to come again. That's how he creates. The point is, you can't, it's not you that's starting the, the creation. It's not you that has brought yourself into being to the point that you can say when you die, okay, I don't want to go anywhere else because I created this and I'm not part of this whole narrative of paradise and hellfire and God and judgment and like a set time. It's Allah. That's what, That's why the 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 sentence starts with a, a, a noun, Allahu yabda'ul khalq. Just in case you think somebody else did it, because the whole thing is you could just min, miss this and say it's just a sentence placed there. But it's as if somebody's saying that you know people create their own destiny, people create their own um, life. People have, uh, don't have to answer to anybody else hmm. because. Because the whole thing is, somebody could say, well, why is God punishing me? I didn't ask it to be created. Well, hmm. you're created. Unless you create yourself, you can answer to yourself. Okay, fine. If you create yourself, answer to yourself. If you are part of the creative process that God has set in place, then, sorry, you're going to have to answer to the creator. And so Allah says, Allahu yabda'ul khalq, thumma yuriduhu, thumma ilayhi turja'un. And so, you know, the whole point you're saying, well, they become more um, focused on not being productive i think the opposite is the case because the more that you have faith the more you realize that the faith now has to be supported and and um, nourished with actions mm. and the mm. actions are good actions the good actions are depending on what you if you're a parent good actions and, and good tarbiyah. But, but, but the, pur the purpose of good actions mm -hmm. is to facilitate yourself and people around you or the purpose of good actions is salvation in the hereafter? Well, I mean, if, there's no problem in saying that the purpose of salvation is, you know, purpose of actions is salvation in the hereafter. Like you do good actions to get, save yourself. Like hmm. people, why, why, who are we to say a person shouldn't do good actions because they want to have a comfortable hereafter? Mm -hmm. Like just for themselves. Imagine it's just purely selfish. And they have total faith, but the reason they do things is like they give somebody food for iftar. And at the forefront of their mind is not the fact that they're manifesting the mercy that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala embodies himself as the as the source of mercy, but they're just doing it because they know by giving that person iftar, they will be able to have, you know, a drink on the day of judgment, for example. Let's simplify that to mm -hmm. something mundane. Like that drink on the day of judgment when it's everyone's thirsty, I will get something. 
So it's something mm-hmm. you're doing a prepayment plan for, you know, for the for the day of judgment. You know, so the, you know, so per, if a person is doing it for that purpose, then you know that's the level of their mind. That's God's created them in that way. God will judge them based upon the capacity that God has given them. Mm-hmm. But generally, we do it for the sake of the action itself and, and it's beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And at a deeper level, we do it because it, it, it mirrors and um, sinks in with the qualities that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to display, which are qualities mm-hmm. of adil, mercy, compassion, um, justice, knowledge, meaning you know displaying knowledge and, and using knowledge, using irada, which is your will and your power, mm-hmm. manifesting in, in a way that is as close as perfect to ourselves so that we can then you know, you know, kind of think of if we're able to do something small, merciful, then think of Allah. If we're able to do something just in a small drop, then think of Allah. You know, then you know that's how you go into complete awe of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. You know, when the Ottomans mm-hmm. built these mosques with massive domes representing the sky, when they did it, they thought, well, this is the best we can do, which is 80, 90 meters spread of suspended roof space. Then what about Allah, who creates mm. the firmament of the heavens and the earth with the stars and the constellations and everything else, without any amadin tarawnaha, as the Quran says, without any, you know, pillars that you can see, mm. and all these things. Then you, depending on your mind, you can do it, and then you could just say Subhanallah, and you can say, you know, this is the, the, Allah is the entity that is due to be worshipped with complete truth, and that's why so, you know that's anything. Why, so anything good we do. Is like you're mirroring the qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you're living the names of Allah. Mm-hmm. So if 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 he's Rahim, you are Rahim, you're Rahman, you're Rahman. And you, also everything else, just and vengeful. I mean everything, there's not just the good qualities, there's the, the harsh qualities, muntaqim, um, you know, and um you know that so the, the, there'll be a point that you'll you, you will be muntaqim and you, you will be basit, but you'll also be qabid. Yeah, so they always come with balances, yeah, so being constricting people and giving elevation to people. These are all qualities that people can um, live. And the thing of of those qualities, which are the harsh qualities, the the majestic qualities, is you need sharia. You need the insight of sharia to know how to use them. Hmm. It's like, um, you know, a soft toy. All kids can play with them. But if you've got a toy... Or, you know, um, like a, a child wants to go into sports and wants to go into fencing or into sword fighting or something, or you sh- shooting arrows, for example, they need to be given very strict rules on how to use it. Mm-hmm. So one level, the kind of soft, loving qualities, you, you can't do too much damage by using them wrongly. Mm-hmm. Although you can, you, you can be merciful to people that you shouldn't show mercy, mercy to. You can be loving to your child to the point that the love is actually detrimental to their long-term um, benefit. But with things like justice, you can be too just. That you can you can be just to the point that it's cruel. You can be muntaqim to the point that it's actually complete injustice. You're taking revenge has to be done in the right way at the right time, the right portion, um, by the right person, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so you can imagine the time when you take when you take when you take revenge, and the revenge is actually injustice because it's the wrong time. Like the time of revenge is when everyone acknowledges that something wrong was done, and you take revenge, and everybody accepts it, and then they move on. Taking revenge like sixty years later, when the person might have changed, doesn't seem like you know. Essentially, mm. doesn't seem like any conception of revenge. So all these kind of, um, you know, like in terms of. Um, war crimes, you know, people in the age of like 70, 80, 90 being brought in front of a, a, a law court without looking at the conditions of the person and whether they've reformed themselves. Again, that can only happen if you're detached from the idea of God being the source of these attributes of perfection that you want to mirror. Uh, last few moments of uh, today's reflections on 6th of Ramadan um, and um, Sheikh just kind of like a a last soundbite for people who've just tuned in and are waiting for Azan. Uh, in what we have covered so far in Suratul Rum, uh, the first eleven ayahs. Yeah, I think that these uh, these ayahs are a testimony to the truthfulness of the Quran. 
it was something that is worthy of reflection and 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 kind of deep deep contemplation because it start with this prophecy that is now going to be mocked and the mockery will lead to people you know in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being people that are asa'a they've committed evil and wrong and as we know in life the way that the world works is that you do something you get just you get you get your just deserts at a certain point and the quran is just saying look you cannot take god to court saying why are we being tried when you yourself have signed up to the fact that you're living on an earth which is not of your making you know food that is not of your creation everything you do is just you you just changing things slightly or using things or plowing things or cultivating things you know as muhammad ali said i mentioned this yesterday that you, you know service is the the rent you pay for your time on earth and that is essentially what the quran is saying that creating civilization or being part of a civilization and being a good citizen in a civilization that is healthy and and god-fearing is you know i would say part and parcel of of um paying your rent on earth while you're here so ramadan um you know is trying to inculcate within us this idea of having compassion and, and feeling for people that are less fortunate and it's not just about mercy it's about creating the structures within mercy can be done properly which is essentially a, a civilization where you know rights are protected people are safe you know wealth is protected and able to be earned and you know people are free to worship allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as he deserves to be worshipped inshallah we'll be back tomorrow seven uh, till iftar time iftar today is at 8 15 uh, and reflections with sheikh ruzwan inshallah tomorrow at seven o'clock assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh